This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes to fishing, there's two types of people in the world. The people who hear the word fishing and think of this. Come on, let's go. And then there's the people who think of this. Is it this way? I'm lost already. Where is my little spot that I had? Fishing in this lovely lake. We have a bite, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna reel it in slowly. Uh, strike was done too early. Like all things in life, sometimes it doesn't happen the first time. Oh well, we try again. We can only try again. And every, every time you fail, it only makes you stronger. This time I know that I did that too early. So this time I'm gonna do it perfectly. Little bob and then you go... Mm. The strike was done too early again. That's not how it works, man. It's, it's like a meditation. You have to relax. You have to become one with the river. There's a good reason for this. Most people's first fishing experience goes something along the lines of this. They have a friend who invites them out. Against their better judgment, they decide to go along. They're handed some gear that they don't know how to use, or maybe they go and buy something that they're not sure whether or not it's going to work. You sit on the riverside. Mm. The strike was done too early again. Trying to figure out how to cast, how to set a hook, how to not get your own ear. And they wait, and they get tangles. Maybe they hook themselves. And at the end of the day, they have nothing to show for it. I don't want that to be yours or anyone else's first fishing experience. Or at least not your next one. Fishing is an awesome pastime. And there are days that you will go and you won't catch anything at all. But if you know when to fish, where to fish, 
and what to use, more often than not, you can come home with something for the fryer or at least a couple good stories to tell. And so in today's episode of Homesteady, we're going to help you actually catch fish the next time you go. So there'll be a lot less of this. Mm, the strike was done too early again. And a little bit more of this. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteading. Fishing is always an activity that I'd rather do with my buddies. And so it only seemed fit that for Tuesday night's live episode, Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock Eastern time, we record these podcasts live on YouTube, I would have a couple of my fishing buddies join me for the night. So before we dive into this topic, I got a couple friends I want to introduce here. I got a, my buddy here. We're going to call him Uncle Bourbon. <laughs> Uncle Bourbon. <laughs> Uncle Bourbon is a fly fishing guide. He works at a tackle shop, and uh, he's all around just a good source of information. He does focus mostly on fly fishing, but the principles of fly fishing or just regular old spinning gear are all pretty much the same. My other buddy... James, or as I like to call him. And over here we have <laughs> pickles. <laughs> Our goal for the night was to sit down and share tips and advice to help you, the next time you go out fishing, actually catch a fish. Because the honest truth is fishing is filled with disappointment. I learned this at an early age. My, my, I think fishing goes synonymous with disappointment, right? You get all excited about this day, you know, you plan your day, maybe you get your gear, you get your tackle, and especially if you're new to fishing or maybe young, you head on out there and it's easy to be disappointed. And I remember my first like big time fishing disappointment, my uncle, who's a really good fisherman, uh, was coming into town. He lived on the West Coast. My Uncle John was something of a legend to me as a little boy. For starters, he's about seven feet tall. So when you're six years old, you feel like you're going fishing with Paul Bunyan. And he's that quiet outdoorsman type who will slip into the canoe, paddle a couple yards offshore, and have a fish in the boat within the hour, if not two or three. I always wondered how he did it. I wanted to learn the skills that my Uncle John had. You probably had an Uncle John too. Family member or friend of the family, that outdoorsy uncle. Maybe he was a little bit quiet, but he could start a fire from scratch, catch a fish real quick. Maybe he was good at hunting or foraging. And just being around that person piqued your curiosity, made you want to be a better outdoorsman. excited because I knew when he came out he'd take me fishing so we went out and we were going to go to this waterfall where the fish literally were like jumping out of the waterfall and you could stick a net out you could catch them in the net I was about six years old at the time I think I know this waterfall yeah it's amazing 
And so we were headed to the waterfall, and I wasn't even going to use a pole. I was just going to use the net because that's easy way to catch it. And we get to the waterfall, and I, you know, I got my little tackle box and my net. I go running out of the car to the waterfall, and it was dried up. And here I am, six years old. I just started sobbing. <laughs> you sure you weren't 20? <laughs> I would react the same way 26 years. Yeah, absolutely. Is this yesterday? <laughs> so that was my first big disappointment with fishing. And of course, as the years have gone on, there's been many more. And the difference with fishing I have found over the years, as you get better and better, the difference between a really disappointing day and a great day Usually there's just a couple little things, a couple of things that you have to do. It's really true. With fishing, generally, it's just a couple small things that make the difference between going home empty-handed or having a basket full of fish. And so tonight we focused on three areas where you could improve your chances of catching a fish. The first, when you go fishing. What season, what month, even what the weather is. The second topic that we cover where to find the fish. It's said that 80% of the fish can be found in 20% of the water. So how do you target them? And then finally, we talk about the gear. This is where a lot of people make mistakes that wind up spooking fish. So what you can do to improve your chances. Now there's a lot of different fish you could be catching. But in tonight's episode, we're focused on the freshwater species, specifically panfish, bass, trout. So how can you have a better time catching these fish? Let's start talking about when to go fishing. I asked Uncle Bourbon and Pickles if there was any time out of the whole year they could choose to fish, what would it be? So guys, you can pick any season, you can pick any month to fish out of the whole year. What's the right month? May. May. I was thinking the same May. thing. May. Now, we're in the Northeast, so this might be different if we're in Northeast United States. Oh, we'd already be fishing in the South. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But for where we're at, May. Why? For me, as a fly fisherman, best hatches are May. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your April, it's weather dependent. Like you said, if it's a cold snap, well, winter runs a little longer, you're hosed. That and the snow melt, the, uh, the river. Mm. The rivers are running so much faster, you can't wait. Oh, yeah. And to fish the rivers, you have to be in the river. You can't fish from the bank. Not unless it's a little creek. So, yeah, so you got these white rapids. Yep. That, uh, May, Silver. Same here. May or late, or early June, even. Yep. So I agree with May, uh, but I'm not a fly for fisherman, so it has nothing to do with the hatch. These two guys here tonight, they're both, well, burges of a fly fisherman. Pretty much exclusively, right? Yeah, some days. Some days. We can convince him once in a while. It depends on when I got to come kick your butt in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll pick up a spin, spinning reel if he's got to. Uh, and then uh, James, what do you do, James? You're a little bit of both? A little bit of both. A little All bit right. of both. I grew up with the spinner, like most kids, but yeah. uh, my father-in-law, big-time fly fisherman, he got me into it. Practice casting in the grass and then moved to the water where the actual fish are. So mm-hmm. I attempted, um, a couple years back, Kendra was getting into fly fishing. And I attempted to, you know, learn a little bit of it. And I, I'm the kind of guy I have, you might say, a patience, lack of patience. <laughs> <laughs> and fishing is enough of an exercise in patience. 
So the fly fishing for me was like too much practicing in the grass. Mm -hmm. Austin only likes catching. He doesn't like fishing. (laughs) (laughs) So that we'll talk about catching tonight. I got some advice there. Don't fly fish. the best season if we widen it out to just season would be spring mm-hmm. because early in the spring you have pike yep. you have walleye they start spawning and yep. when fish spawn they go to the shallows which means for those of you who don't have a boat uh, who don't have the ability maybe a friend with a boat if you're just fishing from the shore got a chance the best time is in that spring because you mm-hmm. can reach where the fish mm-hmm. are and walleye pike then that progresses you get uh, the bass start spawning usually around here in may we get a really good bass spawn mm-hmm. and as a, as somebody who's not fly fishing who's That's using okay. like bait casters <laughs> and spinners uh, springtime uh, we like to go around and actually find the bass sitting on their beds and yep. mark them and then after that you have of course in the spring you have a lot of trout being stocked mm-hmm. so if you're fishing some stocked waters mm-hmm. uh, and then even the panfish they start breeding in the springtime too yeah you could probably actually catch them fishing in the grass yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true practicing your fly yeah. oh, <laughs> so if, if you have to pick a time to go, if you really want to catch a fish, if you've never done this before, or if you're trying, maybe you caught a couple, but you really want to get good, focus on the springtime. Yep. Uh, as far as weather goes, what is your guys' favorite weather to fish in, and what's the best weather to fish in? I like overcast days. I was going to say overcast days. But it's really nice being out there when the sun's shining. Yeah. But you can't see but as well. That's a siesta time on the boat, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, the, so yeah, overcast days yeah. you can see a little further. Yeah. yeah, and morning and evening. Mm-hmm. You know, great. Don't point. don't waste the time during the middle of the oh, day. Oh yeah, the go worst. go cook some burgers on the shore. Whatever you want to eat, veggie Drink burgers. Some, <laughs> veggie burgers. That's fine. <laughs> Pickles over here is a vegan. Vegeta- for like it's eating a plant-based diet that's the one and that's it's for one. health and we won't go there tonight guys right. don't worry he hunts he's not that kind of vegan right are you a- i hold no credit now you're listening to a vegan fisherman would you, would you eat fish tonight though yeah, right. are you a pescatarian at this your point? ratings just plummeted we just lost all yeah, our right. oh. no credibility on that side of the no, camera not at all all right but so, no yeah don't don't waste your time in the middle of the day it's just not gonna happen yeah. And then also pay attention to uh, weather fronts. That's important. Great know? tip. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a lot of weather moving in, that's it's not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. Rain doesn't matter, but if it's like a big storm, don't don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah. I've had some really good I've had some really good fishing days in the rain. Absolutely. Some but of my best days. I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't feel like fishing in the rain. I'll just no. say it. Um, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> the bluebird days, like you guys already talked about this, the bluebird days, they're never as good, especially midday. Nope. Yeah. You get yourself a nice overcast and uh, yes. a rhyme on how to remember Uh-oh. what the barometer's doing and how, to, how it will affect your fishing. I'm ready. ready yeah, I haven't heard so this. So if the barometer's rising... On their beds, they'll be lying. Huh? Well, yeah. That's like, pretty sad. Like if the barometer's dropping, in your boat, they'll be hopping. Okay. Huh? Wow. That's true. As it goes to low pressure, it's yeah. not when it's rising. 
So as the barometer drops, which is usually with an oncoming cold exactly. front, but yep. it hasn't hit yet, the fish will be more active yep. feeders. So that was mm. my uh, that was my little rhyme too. Okay. And as far as I know, that's an original. I don't know that that's much to brag about, but right. <laughs> that's the best thing I've created in my life. It's kind of sad. <laughs> I have beautiful children. I created this. And my wife did most of it. <laughs> I told you guys, this is going to be a laid back episode. Yeah. <laughs> Pick yourself some, you know, maybe overcast days. Definitely mornings. Mornings and evenings. Yeah. So much better. Bring your bug spray. Bring the bug spray. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That is going to get you ahead of the game so much faster right away. The next thing you got to consider are where to find the fish. Speaking of my children. <laughs> <laughs> Love them dearly. It's often said that 80% of the fish live in 20% of the water. And you guys probably remember when you first start fishing, that feeling that you're out there casting and right. there's just, there's nothing, right? You're casting all day. And we've had days like this where you just go out and you cast and you cast. And it's like you're wondering if fish. it's the lure. What is, am I yeah. using the wrong tackle? So you yep. switch the, the lure and then you're still... Cutting and tying. Oh, man, you yep. spend more time switching lures than you have mm -hmm. actually yep. are fishing. So... As far as where to find the fish, you guys, I mean, as fly fishermen, you're talking about a lot of river work. I'm doing a lot of pond stuff. Let's start with the river, right? Where do you guys look in the river to find the fish? Because I river. find, yeah, the river's river. a little bit easier. Right. Because it's Not a little smaller. But okay. uh, it depends. Yeah, you look kind of for the deeper holes. You look where, for the pools. Where there's a yeah, pool or maybe like a, an overhang or um, a tree. And again, it depends on what species you're going after. Yeah. You know, I mean, assuming we're talking about trout. Yep, they like to hide yep. kind of in the calms after a rapid. Yep, sit behind a rock in front of a rock. Yep, yep. Anything if there's a tree down in the oh, river, yeah. same thing, yeah. And you would think deeper runs, but it depends on what time of season it is because as more bugs start hatching, mm -hmm. you find the big fish sometimes right in the shallows for no good reason. Yeah. Can't yep. explain it, but they're, they're there. there. Yeah, that's, that's for sure, especially like we said in that springtime. Right. I remember opening day this was probably five or six years ago i was fishing a very small river that led to a reservoir down in the southern part of the state and we literally could see i could see five big beautiful walleye in the most shallow area of this river it was so shallow and i was not having a good day of fishing I grabbed a net. Mm. This is the six-year-old me, <laughs> but now I'm like 26. <laughs> I grabbed a net. I was like, I'm going to get these fish. And I dove into the spring, like, trying to scoop them up. And aggressive. Course, yeah, yeah, a little aggressive. Yeah. The fly fishermen around me were just like weeping tears, <laughs> catching and release tears. to say I caught no walleye that day. That's <laughs> funny. But, yeah, shallow water, um, they can be there, especially in the yeah. spring. A river bend on the outside corner of a river oh, bend yeah. where it's oh, calm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they like that, you know. Basically, fish. basically, they're going to be, especially in a river, trout are going to be on the seams between the slow water and the fast water. And they're going to be sitting in that slow water right on that seam because the food is going to be brought in by the fast water right. and they can just easily pick it off and, save, and no, use no energy to go after it. Yeah, it'll beaten up from the rapids or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yep. So you look for those foam lines in the river, mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And again, it's, it depends on what you're doing. If you're fly fishing, you know, 
and you're up top, it's right. a whole different ball game when you're dry fly fishing as opposed to throwing a worm down the bottom or a nymph. Yeah, I mean, you gotta make it count because they catch on fast. If you're going to fish, like I like to fish ponds and lakes. My favorite fishing, I'm a more of a bass fisherman. I like bass fishing with a bait yeah. caster. My absolute favorite fishing is a nice, a pond, maybe not as big as a you know big old lake that you can't cover all in a day. Mm -hmm. I like a pond that I can work the whole perimeter yeah. or at least yeah. half in yep. a day. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, you know, even a 50 acre pond, you can work the perimeter you know, with at least half of it in the morning. I, that's what we do often in the places. Yep. We're not going to blow up our spots, guys. Sorry, but the <laughs> ponds that we fish. <laughs> so when you're fishing a pond, it's it's the one thing you're not dealing with in the pond. You don't have the moving water like you do in the river, so you don't mm -hmm. have those seams. But you guys already mentioned the structure. So down trees, yep. especially early in the season when they're shallow. Uh, down trees are a great spot. Uh, rocky points. points. Rocks. Rocky points. Rocks and docks. Rocks and docks, yep. yep. If you're that's a good run. There you go. We got this. As far as I know, it's original. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the uh, the rocks, the docks. As as spring turns to summer, the fish will start to go deeper. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as spring turns to summer, I I stop fishing a lot because yeah. I just find it gets so much harder to find them offshore without using fish finders mm -hmm. and finding structure. Mm -hmm. Now you still can. Um, but yeah, looking for structure, looking for shallow points, uh, rocky points, all great places to find some fish. The third and most important thing that you need to consider when going fishing is the gear that you're using. And little things can make a big difference. We're going to talk about those little changes you need to make to your presentation when we get back from a quick word from our sponsors. We have a really exciting event coming up at the Homesteady Farm. We're going to be doing a workshop all about planting a homestead orchard. This event is going to take place on May 6th. Northeast Edible is going to be coming to the Homesteady Farm. Uh, they're an orchard out of New Jersey that specializes in homestead varieties of fruit trees and fruit bushes. Dave from Northeast Edible is going to be teaching us everything we need to know from start to finish, from designing our orchard to how to plant it and how to continue caring for it. And then we're gonna actually get to do it. We have a large orchard install on the property that day, and you're gonna get some hands-on learning, getting to put trees into the ground here at the Homesteady Farm. So I hope you can join me and Dave. We're gonna have some early bird tickets going on sale, just $7 per person for the early bird tickets. If you wanna join us for this workshop, it's taking place in Connecticut on uh, the Homesteady Farm. Sign up to the email list today so that you'll be getting the heads up when the early bird tickets go on sale. Dave will also have some great specials on trees and bushes that day. You can combine buying your orchard trees and bushes with your ticket into the workshop. So make sure to join the Homesteady email list. Head on over to thisishomesteady.com. There on the homepage, you'll find a button that says join us. It's right there on the homepage under Grow Your Homestead. Click that button, join the email list, and you'll be the first to know when tickets go on sale. 
can't make the event, do you live too far, you're going to miss out? If you live too far and you're going to miss out on the event, become a Homesteady Pioneer. I'm going to videotape the entire workshop, and the workshop will be available to watch later in the Pioneer Library. something is in your gear and not necessarily in having like a tackle box full of tackle mm -hmm. just a simple clean presentation yep um when i start when i start fishing for generally in the beginning of the se season i'll start fishing for trout and one of the biggest mistakes i find people make whether or not it's you know spinning gear like i'm using or maybe fly fishing the same problem i wouldn't know but as far as the spinning gear goes you got guys fishing giant poles with giant line, they got like 20 pound test. Yeah. They got a big old plastic bobber and then a giant bass hook on the end with a worm all scrunched up on the thing. And they throw that out there hoping to catch something. I've been there. I remember sitting a couple of years back when I really got into fishing, you know, as far as like, you know, my adult life, mm -hmm. getting into fishing. You retired I, the net. Exactly. Yeah. You put the net. Mostly. Okay. <laughs> so like last year. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I remember going to a spot and watching this guy near me pulling trout out of this river. Oops. Just boom, 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 boom. And I was the guy with 20-pound test and the giant mm -hmm. hook right. and the, wad of, the worm on the wad. And the biggest lesson I learned, I went over and I said, hey, man, show me. What are you doing? Because uh, you're killing it. I got nothing here. The first thing he showed me was my line was too big. Yeah. The pole was too big. The hook was, everything was too big. Yep. So just figuring out if you're targeting trout in a pond, you don't have to worry about the current. You can fish two or four pound test. Yep. If you're brand new, maybe keep it to four. You know, mm -hmm. four is a little safer than the two pound test. Uh, but fishing a really light pound test, and depending on if your plans are to keep the fish or not, if you're planning on taking trout home to eat, I use a very small hook. Now, oh, yeah. if I'm not gonna eat them, you know, there's a the concern that they might swallow it, and if you wanna release them, that's a different thing. Um, but if you use, you know, very small line, really small hook, and I like when I'm going for trout, I use, I'll use i use a worm, but I'll only use half the worm. I'll cut mm -hmm. the thing in half and just thread it onto that little hook. No bobber. A lot of times, no weight, unless there's a lot of current. Mm -hmm. Does that sound, you guys, when you're fly fishing, is that something similar presentation-wise? Uh, obviously not, not a worm, worm, but no <laughs> worm, yeah. The San Juan worm. Very yeah. good, very yeah, good. Yeah, squirmy worm. Well, yeah, you mentioned hatch before. You try to match the hatch. Sometimes, but Some, not always. Yeah, it, it helps. In my my opinion, it helps. I think it depends. If you have a classic pattern that's mm -hmm. going to match so many different other things, it'll mimic across the board. It doesn't matter. Right. But you have to definitely match your gear towards the water you're fishing. Absolutely. Towards the species you're fishing for. I mean... It, and that's why fly fishing, unfortunately, gets expensive because now you've got 10 rods, yeah. 10 reels, 10 lines, you know, whatever you start to do as you get crazy into the sport. But, mm -hmm. but you're right. When you were talking about spin fishing for trout in a little stream or even any, even a little stream, mm -hmm. I would be four to six pound test at the most. Yeah. yeah. And again, fishing maybe, I guess, what is that? An eight to size 10 hook? Tiny. Throwing a little yeah, worm on it. Yeah, they see that line getting bigger. Yeah, I mean, there. You, you got to remember, we might think about fish being spooked, 
by line, uh, but there's so much junk floating over them. They see those shadows all the time. You don't really have to worry about it as much as we think we do. Mm-hmm. It's more, again, 20-pound test you're going to see. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're going to tell. And a big hook, they're going to tell. Yeah. That doesn't look natural. Mm-hmm. But fish, most of the time, they're hungry. They want to eat. So you get something in front of them that looks halfway decent, you got a shot. most fun parts about doing this podcast live Tuesday nights at 9 Eastern Time is that the audience gets to join in. And this was the first show where we started taking listener calls. We had a very special guest who you'll hear in a minute. But I started asking the guys about their best fish. And then we opened up the phone lines. Best, best fish you ever caught. What size? Best fish I ever caught? Wow, that's tough. It is hard, because it depends on the species to me. Okay, biggest trout you ever caught? Biggest trout I ever caught? 24 inches. Nice. Yeah. Big brown. Yeah. Wow. You want to change species? I never... Right, exactly. (laughs) I never shot up to Alaska to catch these little 29-inch fish that are just swimming around chasing (laughs) eggs. Right. Cod was the biggest fish I caught. But that's easy. That's like cheat fishing. Your bottom fishing. It's all right. Pulling up two at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so, cod inside of cod. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Very true. That's the way to do it. Absolutely. Striper, yeah, stripers would be bigger for me, but they were all, again, right around 30 inches, but they're all... Right. They weren't keepers that day. That's the only problem. Yeah. Corey uh, asked, what are the size trout we're fishing with two to four pound line? Corey, I can pull, no problem, an 18 or 19 inch trout with two to four pound line if your gear is set right. So, uh, I mean, I can get a 24-inch yeah. brown trout on 5 that's or 6X, yeah. and that's, you know, anything under 4 pound. Yeah. So I'm good there, you too. You just got to play it right, so you got to make sure your gear... So not only do you have to make sure that you have the right light line, right size hooks, right size gear, uh, but make sure your rod and reel is set up right. You know, the drag on your rod and reel, that's very important. If your drag is set too tight and that fish runs... Broke. You're going to break off. Broke city. Especially if you're using two to four pound test. If you have it too loose, you're not going to be able to set the hook. So you need to make sure your drag is right in that zone where you can set the hook. But if the fish takes off running, it's going to run hard. If someone wanted to get started fishing and they could only, you know, get a little bit of gear, a little bit of equipment, you know, under a hundred bucks kind of thing. What advice would we give them to get started? Don't go into fly fishing. There's yeah. tip okay, number one. Okay, tip number one. You're not going to do it for under 100 bucks. I'm sorry. Okay, but I'm thinking the best thing you can do is go to your, unfortunately, go to a store. That uh, might, a store, really? That might be a big box store. <laughs> That's the only problem. But Are we allowed uh, to name like names of stores? It doesn't matter. You know yeah. what? I always say support your local fishing shop oh, because you know what? They're small. They're having a hard time competing. They're but at the end of the day, they are knowledgeable. They know the water better mm-hmm. than the guy behind the counter at the big box store. Right, right. But at the end of the day, get yourself a, a good medium to light action uh, spinning rod. Mm-hmm. Get a bail caster, mm-hmm. real easy. Uh, get some six pound test. 
Maybe some fluorocarbon if you're... Right. Well, as long as you're not going to knot it up, you're not going to knot it up on that. Don't waste fluorocarbon on a bait caster no, your first time out there. That's your spider nest in that party. <laughs> and, and, and it's just going to look ugly quick. But go out there, get some hooks, uh, depending on what species you're going for. Stay with worms. Maybe pick up a couple Rapalas. Yeah, I can't go wrong with Rapalas. Definitely think about some of the, you know, worm baits, the Senko worms. You're not going to go wrong with that. And again, depending on how you rig them, right, it it all is going to depend on that. Yeah. But yeah, I can get you out of the door for under hundred bucks. Uh, The only thing I would amend there, sometimes the the Rapalas get a little pricey. Oh, absolutely, ten bucks. Well, that's why I'm saying don't don't go for the real expensive ones. Like I said, start out probably go live bait in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with with a worm on a small hook. You're you're gonna catch bluegills. Yep. Absolutely. If you want to go catch fish quick and easy, hey, let's face it, a hook, a bag of Wonder Bread, <laughs> wrap you know putty that thing up around the uh, oh, hook. That'd be perfect. And you are so gonna catch some bluegills that's before how, the day is done. That's how every kid starts, right? You know what? Corn, same thing. Can of right. corn. You're gonna be okay. Yeah, right. You know what? Hot it's not dogs. gonna be your. It's not gonna be your your best day, but you know what? At least you'll be catching fish. Oh man! What happened? We got uh, Captain Mike's watching us. Captain Mike. He says he caught a big flounder once. Captain Mike. Yes, he I did. I Captain Mike the night off, and he's watching our live stream. Captain Mike, call in. Tell that story of we'll, the flounder. We'll get you in here after. Uh, we'll get you in here after break. Um, so speaking of break. We're going to cut to break, guys, in just a minute here, and then we want to hear your fishing stories. And we'll start with, we'll have Accountant Mike call in. He'll be our first call in, and he'll tell us about the big flounder that he caught once. (laughs) 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 So, guys, we're going to take a a short break here, and then uh, we'll get you. I'm going to text Accountant Mike right now the phone number. If you love the show that we do and you want to help support it, you can do so without spending an extra dime. If you have shopping to do on Amazon, first type in amsteady.com. That's www.amsteady, am like Amazon, steady like Homesteady. That'll bring you to a landing page on the Homesteady website. There you'll see a link which heads you over to Amazon. Just click on that link. It'll take you about one or two extra seconds to do this. But when you do this, Amazon will note that we were the ones who sent you there. And whatever you buy, whether or not it's something we recommended, will receive a portion of the sales. It won't cost you an extra penny. So if you like our show and want to support it, go to amsteady.com first, click on Shop on Amazon, and in that two extra seconds that it takes you to head over there, we'll receive a portion of the sales which helps us to continue to do the show. I thank you guys so much for doing this. It's been a big help already. Please continue to do so. It helps us keep the show every week. All right, guys, we got Accountant Mike here, and he's ready to share his story. Can't wait! And Can't uh, wait! I just got to put him on. Uh, I got to put him on speaker here for a second. Hello, I'm here. Look at this! This is fancy. All right, hold on. I got to put you on speaker. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker here. And, uh, Hi, Michael. How am I going to put Hello. you on? Okay, ready? I'm going to put you on speaker. You there? All right. Hey. Michael's in the house. Hey, Mike. Hello, people. How's it going? Over how, there, how, do, how do we look on TV? Do we do we look as good as you do? Is there any financial advice for this story? Uh, financial 
ago. We talked about fishing at some point, right? That's yeah. why I gave you the it's night off. Like yeah. Yeah, you've already yeah. given this a thumbs up. That's because you like <laughs> oh, to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, I'd give it a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> the financial advice is go for it. All right. Keep a reverse mortgage, cash out your IRA, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you go to Accountant Mike first to do all this. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless. What? Yeah. So, what did I, what did I call in for? Flounder, man. Achilles. Tell us your flounder. Oh, that's right. Okay, let me tell you a story. No, no, no. First, let me set the stage. You ready for me? <laughs> and we're ready. Okay. It was blisteringly hot, I think. Sounds about it right. It was summer-ish. It was uh, probably early in the morning. Wow. Or maybe it was in the afternoon. This is like Taylor Two Cities no quality. Can <laughs> <laughs> he do it in the accent that he was doing last week? We were, we were fishing, right? Wait, they want you to tell this in your Dutch accent from last week. I wasn't prepared for that. Like ye olde proclamation. No, really, we do. <laughs> That's about accurate. Growls Sounds like every fishing trip we've ever gone on. <laughs> I cast me wrong out into the water. <laughs> expecting, expecting once again to catch nothing but depression and sadness. <laughs> At first it seemed I had been quite successful. He's getting into his Monty Python. Yes, yes he is. So yeah, that's basically the story. I it was—I don't remember what sort of day it was, but I'm sure we hadn't caught anything. And I'm sure we had. Mm-hmm. I, I got stuck on something, and I pulled it in, and it turns out the thing I got stuck on was a fish. So we caught him. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it happens. That was delicious, though. Yeah. Super delicious fish. Wow. Yep, flounder are amazing. Delicious. Uh, easy to clean, and that's one of our one of my favorite memories of fishing is catching that fish. Counting my caught, this thing was a giant. It was a doormat. It was like this. It was, it was big, and it was in like eight feet of water. It wasn't deep. We yeah. weren't out Whoa. in the ocean. It was yeah. just in one of the salt ponds in Rhode Island. Nice. Well, Captain Mike, anyway, I um, gave you the night off, man, and you couldn't help but come and join us on the show. That warms my heart. <laughs> I hope this is considered billable hours. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, peace out. Good to hear from you, Kevin. Later. Later, Mike. See ya. During this live recording, I asked for people to share their fishing stories, but some people called in with questions, and one of the questions that was really, really good was Robbie's. He's a chef who deals with fish, cleaning fish, filleting fish all the time. But he wanted to know if there was any advice that we had as far as how to handle the fish or prepare it for the dinner plate. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, hey Robbie. Robbie. Hey, Robbie. I got to tell you, I'm not exactly a fisherman. I'm more of a chef. All right. Oh, Even well, better. I like where this is going. The end product. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, what I'm really trying to know is uh, how you guys, uh, I mean, I got to slice the filet off the fish every time, you know, we, but we get it in a package from a protea over at the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How do you guys do it when you guys get these dash of 
out of the water? Like, you, you straight up just do it on the boat, or what do you do? You put them on ice, you take them home, and you do it on awesome the barbecue? Yeah. What do you uh, awesome question, Robbie. So to keep, keep them fresh, uh, if you're fishing in cold enough water, you're always fishing in cold enough water. We right. usually, when we're in the salt water, we'll just take them. One of the things I like to do right away is bleed the fish. Yeah. If I know I'm going to keep it, I bleed it because getting rid of the blood, you get some of that that taste that you're going to get yeah, with that minerally. cleans out mineral. Um, and but then even, even before you go there, when yeah. you're catching the fish, the least amount of stress you can put on that fish, great point, is right. going to lead to a better taste. That goes fish. with any kind of food, yeah. But any yeah, you animal. don't want to you don't want to stress that fish out. So. Either getting in and right so away. I gotta ask, uh, sorry to interrupt you. That how are you guys bleeding out these fish? So usually, what I do, I try not to. Uh, depending on the fish and how I'm going to cut it up, I try not to do a big cut because yep. I don't want to ruin the structural component of right. the fish. Uh, it's harder to fillet a fish if its head's kind of loose hanging. Mm-hmm. So I try to just stick a knife down into the gill area and just do a small cut. Right, so right yep. through the neck, but not um, not enough to sever the head. Nope. Mm-hmm. You guys agree? Yeah. Now, is yeah. that behind the fin, or is that what is that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that, that, Robbie. I'm sorry. You do that behind the fin, or what is that? Oh, right in where the gills are. Right in the gill. Yep. Yep. Okay. Right underneath. Okay. Right. Stick it in through the gills. Bleed it quick. Like like uh, Jeff said here. Don't. Uh, don't abuse, you know, get the fish, keep it calm, try to kill it right away. And then the biggest part is keeping it cool and getting it it quickly, you know, quickly to a cooler and quickly back home and Mm -hmm. cleaned up. Right now I have, I did notice, I read this and I noticed it to be true. Uh, I found it was easier to fillet a fish the next day. You give it 12 to 24 hours. It's a little bit more firm and easier to right. yeah. handle. And yeah. if you keep it on ice, not frozen, but cold enough so the meat stays yep. less. Yep. Yeah. So when we're in Rhode Island and we go for like stripers or flounder, like Accountant Mike just shared that story, um, keep it nice and cold on 12 hours to 24 hours. 12 is nice. If you catch it in the morning, you can have it for dinner later. Yeah. Uh, but that does help with the flaying. If if you get a blue fish that's a fatty fish with a lot of oils, mm. you can Ooh, always yep. you can always put it in a bag of milk overnight, whole milk. Uh, and what that does is it draws out all that nasty oil flavor out mm-hmm. of it. Makes that fish a lot blue less Bluegills are good eating. Yeah, and bluegills are good eating. Yeah. But that dark meat, there's that black stuff, get rid of it. You need a big one though, because they yeah. there's not a lot of meat on those. No. Great great tips. Um Talking about taking away the dark meat, uh, you know, making sure your fillet is clean, trying to get those bones out, and just the way it's. This is the case with all wild game. I mean, whether it's a deer or a fish or whatever, just quickly cleaning it, cooling it, and then doing a really good job on your processing. It's going to be a much better product. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, I like fresh fish, man. I hardly eat store bought fish because no. if you get it fresh, it's just a world better. Mm-hmm. You won't waste your time. Yeah. Good question. Do we answer your question, question Robbie? Robbie? I mean, that's how we usually do it through our purveyor. We get the fresh fish there, and yep. uh, I usually have to break it down. What we usually use is a striped bass. We use some tilapia, so we're using a little bit of uh, flatfish as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, so it's also, uh, I never have to go out, you know. I haven't been out there. I mean, my parents are from Canada, right? Mm. 
but now, you know, I'm from New York. I've done work up in Boston. I'm living in Connecticut now. Hey, you're not far. Hey, hey look cool. at that. That's where we're at. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, that's nice, guys. Uh, so there's good fishing. i got to go out there sometime and try to fish. Yeah, get out there. Absolutely. I'd yep. like to see those sort of methods. But usually, yeah, I, I can break down the fish, no problem, whether it's flat, whether it's, you know, whole, whatever it is. You know, get the four fillets, get the two fillets, whatever nice. it is, through the whole yeah, canning of the bones, you know. The skill. That's, that's that sort of thing. That's one of the best skills, man, because we've butchered our share of fillets. I know I have in the past, so mm-hmm. get knowing. We'll well, take... What do you guys do with it? I got to ask because, you know, I uh, make a lot of money to uh, do this sort of thing. So what do you guys do? You throw it on the barbecue? Uh, how, how do you marinate it? What do you guys do? Great question. Best way, guys. What's your favorite? Well, when I was eating meat, I don't know if you <laughs> caught that part. I haven't been eating meat in three months. Um, yeah, I, I grilled fish. I love grilled fish, but pan-fried is the way to go. I like a pan-fried. Uh, Depending on what it is. You pan-fry with just the fillet, you don't do the whole fish. Cur- I, yeah, I fillet. the Pan-fry the fillet. Maybe a light little... You uh, share, right? Pan- you got to share. Panko breading, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, I go for the panko, a little macadamia crust. Oh, yeah. Nice, fancy. Oh, yeah, go a little gourmet. Yep. All right. You probably appreciate that. If you catch a, <laughs> uh, like a saltwater, like a striper, I once prepared a striper. I Stripe found this recipe it. in Field and Stream. You do a, you take egg whites and you whip them, and then you mix that whipped egg white with a ton of salt. Okay. And you coat the entire fish. Oh yeah, salt cooler. In the salt, with, and you stick some lemon and lime, or uh, lemon and orange slices in the fish. Oh yep. yeah. Uh, obviously, you got the fish gutted, but everything else is there whole. Yeah. yeah. Coat it in that salt. You put it in the oven for I think it was maybe an hour or something. You could Google it. Right. Uh, it comes out like a, a hard crust. Yep. That's you cool. Knock that and break that off. The fish is so moist. Moist. Yeah. It's so delicious. Um, that's an awesome technique. If you catch a good, you know, nice big saltwater fish, mm-hmm. really good. Never tried it with freshwater, but yeah. Robbie, thanks, man. These were great questions, especially coming from a chef, man. I mean, we'll have to get since you're in Connecticut, we'll have to take you with us, and uh, right. we'll have you do the flying, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. I'd, I'd love that. You know, I'd like to show because uh, I know the Japanese do this a different way, and I work actually at a Japanese set. Play. Oh, oh, there we go. We're into that too. So That's fancy, man. Well, thanks for calling in, Robbie. We appreciate the questions. Robbie's question about fish preparation was a great one. And coming from a chef, it made sense to talk about that. Our next caller was a father. And so his question had to do with taking kids fishing in difficult circumstances. Talking about taking kids fishing definitely caught my interest. Uh, we have another call. So let's pause this. We're going to okay. take, it's either, it's Daniel, I think. Daniel in the queue. You here, Daniel? I'm not sure I'm. There you are, hey, Daniel. Daniel. Welcome, hey, to the Daniel. Show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, so I was doing that, that actually, you know, first fishing story kind of thing. Went on a fishing trip with a buddy of mine. I like when we were in Cod 30 from freshwater striver. But the reason I called is I actually went fishing today with my boys. They're uh, four and six. And, uh, there's a trout hatchery near us and went up there to go fishing and when they have a pond off by the, the hatchery and the pond was completely covered over in duckweed you know even with a uh, you know traditional bobber and and, <laughs> and worm for the boys um it you know was having a hard time getting penetrating duckweed ended up going with a uh, carolina rig 
used some grubs and some some uh, night crawlers, and then ended up going with some watermelon seed artificial, and uh, still completely uh, crapped out, as it were. I was wondering if you guys have any tips for like really thick scum or duckweed or anything on top of local fishing holes. Heavy weeds. That is a it's tough the worst. One. I think every fisherman. Uh, it's just the worst. It's a tough one, and it can be depending on the time of year and what you're fishing for. It can be good. Yeah, yeah soft water. If you're using, but you're talking about fishing with your boys. Yeah, hook and a bobber, and, and that's just gonna Daniel. It's just gonna drive. I mean, you probably know a drop probably drove you nuts. I'm. I know for me, I like bass fishing in the weeds, but I got a bait caster mm-hmm. with yep. fifty pound braid. With a heavy-duty leader, something big and bright on the end with a big old hook and a big old weight. Like you said, a Carolina rig, that's a great way to yeah. go. But fishing with kids, man, in the weeds, there's just no way around that. <laughs> that is just, that's just asking for a bad day. Right. And Depending the later, on how deep that, the pond is, maybe two days before, go clean out the weeds. Right. People do that. I mean, I see it in our area. People actually hire, you can hire people for that kind of service. Yeah. You can pay people to have them remove the weed but i mean if it's a if it's a public area then that's yeah, not worth it but yeah. and then it, it gets worse the longer you wait until summer yeah the weeds grow oh, absolutely that's another reason that summer yep. fishing is no yeah it's kind of funny because the DN, uh, dnr actually put that duckweed on there for a reason I'm like yeah it kind of got out of hand a little bit but uh it's actually to protect the fish that aren't underneath it oh man so it, it, it's one of those things you got to kind of barrel through it do you know, Daniel, do you know how to do a, a, a weedless presentation with an offset bass hook and like a, a rubber worm? Ever... Yeah. All right. So that's that's all I yeah. would have done. An offset. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, I get a big offset hook and you can rig your rubber worm. Just Google it. There'll be a video on yeah. YouTube somewhere. Uh, put that rubber worm on so it covers up the weed right. and like daniel said the carolina rig with the weight on the front that's a great option yep. so yeah you just have to uh, change your your tackle that's pretty much so we talked about the cheap fishing setup we talked about um you know the time of year i figure it would be good to tell everyone what do you do to target your favorite freshwater fish just quick tip targeting your favorite freshwater fish go around the table here anybody want to start i know what i'm starting with all right well yeah uh you have your favorite spots right i mean that's just you go to your absolutely yeah you go to your favorite spot it's been good to you in the past yep so uh you go there that's where i start especially this time of year it's um yeah you start with your favorite spot i mean you know your your tackle um but uh that's pretty much Go to the favorite spot. Go to your favorite spot. And yep. you, every fisherman has them. Yep. And you can't squeeze it out. You, yep. You're just not going to. Most of the time, it's it's really hard to get to. You know, there's a lot of walking and um, far from any parking area. So yep. that's where I usually Great start. Tip. Start with your favorite spot. We actually, opening day is coming this Saturday, Saturday for us here ding, in ding, Connecticut. Yeah. And what opening day means is it means you can fish all bodies of water for trout and every other species Keepers. and keep them. There's a lot of places you can fish year-round. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't know what opening time. day is yeah. anymore. I gave up on it a long time ago. <laughs> right. 
It just means the waters are much more crowded. So for me, if I'm going to target my favorite fish, it's going to be a bass. I'm going to be using probably... A net. Yeah, <laughs> we all know my net. Well, once you get them near the boat, of course. <laughs> Why not? I'm going to use, you know, my lightweight spin and reel with some maybe six pound test at most. I'm going to do a big offset hook and I'm going to put a big old Gary Yamamoto watermelon flake. Oh, the best. Rubber oh, we've worm. We've caught some good. Wacky style. Wacky style. Wacky style. So it's you illegal don't know what in that most is, states. It should be. It, should it be. is in tournaments. Really? Yeah. It just works that good. It's just that good. You wow. put the hook, the, the worm on the hook, it hangs like a think... mustache. If you picture it hanging <laughs> just like a little, you know, Manchurian or something. And, it's uh, fish crack. It is the fish, the bass fish cannot crack. help but hit that. We can sit, my me, my kids, uh, we get to go to a lake near where uh, James has a, a lake that in his town that we can go. It's a, it's a town lake, right? It's private yeah, it's town. town yeah. well, so we get to go to the beach. It, yeah. yeah. And uh, man, just, you can hammer them with that setup. So yep. We got two minutes left. Uncle Bourbon, what's your tip? Okay, so I'm going to throw you for a loop here. All my right. favorite tip, my favorite fish to go catch, pound for pound, smallmouth bass. They as much as great, I love the trout, great, yep. but we have a river nearby that's really good. Actually, it's right down the road. Yeah. But the best part is summertime, go out in the evening, wet wade with a popper on, five weight fly line, boom. You just, you're going to hook into the big guys and they're going to bend your rod. They're going to go aerial. It's going to be a great <laughs> day. Great and you fish. know what? You're going to have a good time doing it. So I'm going to go with that. That's what it doesn't. It doesn't good. even matter what popper it is. As soon as that thing hits the water, <laughs> that fish is on. <laughs> I had a great time sitting and talking, fishing with my fishing buddies. I hope you enjoyed it too. Don't forget, Uncle Bourbon, he's a fly fishing guide. And he invited anyone listening in to contact him if they had questions. Hey, I'll go out on a limb here. Anybody has any fishing tips or questions, email them in. We'll try to get back to you in case you missed the show. Perfect. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to pick a fishing guide's brain, you can find his information at ontheflycast.com. Friday as I sit here and record this last little bit of the podcast. Tomorrow is opening day, which has always been a special day for me. I've always loved getting out as soon as I could onto the quiet water, trying to find something that I could bring home to the family. But opening day is a lot more special to me nowadays because I get to share it with my kids. My six-year-old son is dying to go. He's interrupted me about four times working on this podcast to show me what he's packed in his bag, to show me the gear that he has ready and asked me if we're going to head over to our local shop and pick up some gear. And we are. So I better finish this thing up because I'm more excited than ever. If you listen to this whole episode and you're a good fisherman, be somebody else's Uncle John. 
inspire some little kid out there to get out in the water on your next opening day. Create a legacy much bigger than a seven-foot-tall fish and uncle. Who, by the way, when he saw the waterfall was dried up, thought of a plan B, brought me to a local pond where we loaded up on bluegills, brought him home, and I learned for the very first time at six years old how to fillet fish. Pretty safe to say that's had a major impact on my life. Now I gotta head out to the tackle shop with my kiddos. We're gonna close this episode up. Head on over to thisishomesteady.com to check out the blog post recap written by Alexia, the suburban escapee. She'll share all the links that we talked about in this episode, and she always shares a little bit of her own story. They're great. You can read them at thisishomesteady.com. Special thanks to Allison Holly, who does our editing on our weekly shows. Homesteady was produced by myself, I'm Aust, and my wife Kay, and we're Homesteady. And if you are too, be sure to reach out and tell us. Hashtag all your social media posts, I am Homesteady. Don't forget we have that awesome on-the-farm workshop. You can learn more, just join the email list at thisishomesteady.com. We hope to see you here on the farm, learning all about the Homestead Orchard. Until next week, the road is rocky, make home steady. In the next episode of Home Study, we're going to talk about something that I think is really important. Escaping the rat race. So many of us spend a major part of our lives working towards other people's goals. Meanwhile, pushing our own dreams to the sideline, saying maybe someday. It's time to stop letting dreams just be dreams. Over the last five years, I have been very blessed to be able to take small steps from working full-time off-farm to now being able to enjoy a life with my family on my farm. And I want to talk about those steps that brought me here. And I want to share some insight from other homesteaders like myself making this journey out of the rat race. If you want to live a life that you're more in control of, where you get to do what you love and spend more time with those that you love, and less time with your boss, your cubicle, your commute, we're going to talk next week on some practical ways that you can slowly take steps out of the rat race. I'd love for you to join me live Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time for that event on YouTube. But of course, you can listen to it the following week in this podcast. 